Toy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, Trent here, and it's wonderful to have your company today for episode 206. This week on Toy Power, we go vintage as we jump back into the vintage toy line retrospective. We're then on to a Wonder Woman 84 review, and we'll wrap up with a little bit of show and tell. Joining me today in the Toy Power studio, we've got Ben. G'day, g'day. Darren. Good to be with you all. And Frank. Highly holy, neighborooni. And let's get vintage. Vintage Twilight Retrospective. You've got to come back with me. Right, and we haven't done one of these for a while, and I thought it was a really good opportunity. 200. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, had a cough. <laughs> prior to the 200, right. oh, sorry, we sorry, haven't sorry. done one yeah, of these right. for, a, for a while. I wasn't in the 200. Oh, sorry, I thought we were going to get I was getting a guests. beer. You guys were all getting beer. I was getting, getting, I was getting yeah. a beer, and I missed yeah. that whole thing. I was guzzling a so, keg, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel this is very much timely. And what, what we're going to be talking about today is a vintage line from the 80s, Back then, I know it's been a little bit, uh, to, to, to most people's dismay, we've had a fourth film. But at the time, <laughs> there were three films in this franchise. The first two films got action figure lines by two different companies. And they performed so badly, the third and probably best movie of the trilogy didn't get a single toy. I am talking about Indiana Jones and the lines by Kenner and LJN. And I'm going to... I think we're just going to go all in on this vintage toy line retrospective. We're going to go through all the lines and we're even going to touch a bit on the recent toys that tied in with the Crystal Skull, which uh, is possibly a bad thing to bring up for indie fans. <laughs> uh, Shia LaBeouf, his, it's, it's his fun, era. It's always, I always see a lot of tears when Crystal Skull's born up. It's funny, I've got a mate of mine who's a mad indie fan, loves all the three films, and he was the last person I thought who would be a staunch defender of the fourth film, but wow. he, he loves it. Like, okay. He says, look, it's not as good as the others, and yeah, you, Shia LaBeouf swinging through the trees like a monkey is a, is a bit <laughs> off-colour, but he will he will defend it, and right. he, him and I have quite heated arguments about it. <laughs> okay, well, I have to go back and re-watch that, uh, and we'll see how we go, but... Indiana Jones, this is one of those stories where Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in cinemas in 81. Um, but a bit like Star Wars, we had to wait till the following year to get toys. So in 82, Kenner's 3.75-inch Indiana Jones action figure line was released. And if you think very much to the Star Wars cards, they depict the photo. And some of the less flattering photos you'll ever see, the Marion Ravenwood figure probably has the worst photo utilised. I'm sure the actress is not uh, too <laughs> fond of the photo they chose to use for that. But there's a really, there's a few, you know, like when toy companies got the licence to do these films and they had to work from whatever they were given, this Indiana Jones toy line gets some really interesting tidbits from what the toy company Kenner was given to work with. And I think that the production photo of the Marion Ravenwood speaks to a little bit about what they actually had at their disposal. Clearly, the Indiana Jones toy line is a kind of continuation of the Star Wars line in terms of the, the scale they've used and in terms of wanting to incorporate vehicles and play sets and that sort of thing. So there, there are a few notable exceptions to Star Wars, though. They did go above and beyond with some of the articulation. And one of the things that I think served as a bit of the template or the blueprint for this line was comes from a very unusual place and a toy that many of you may not have ever even known existed. There were two figures uh, released by Kenner uh, from the film Butch and 
Sundance, the early days. So we all know, I don't know if we all know, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid did very well at the cinema. And clearly there was a sequel that I'd never heard of called Butch and Sundance, the early days. Sounds like a bit of a Monsters University style of prequel. Um, It flopped and the toys flopped. But apparently one of the very redeeming features of these toys, or in fact they had two redeeming features, they featured uh, quick draw action where the because this is you know a cowboy western type mm-hmm. film so they could holster kind of the gun at a holster and very much like a brave star figure um do the quick draw they also had this really cool kind of leg articulation where the knees would bend for one but the hip they were sort of like a hip joint as well okay. which would mean you could get the figures to ride a horse ah oh, that's okay cool. so oh, that's, we yeah, all yeah. know in Raiders of the Lost Ark Indy rides an Arabian horse yeah, that's a so part. pretty good and quick draw bullwhip Perfect. action as well pretty good feature to take from your defunct uh, Butch Cassidy line and put it into Indy so that's a really interesting tidbit that I found uh, on the kind of genesis for these figures. Can I just jump in? The only reference I know to that, um, what was it? Bush, um, Butch and the Sundance Kid. Sundance the early kid. days. The Butch early and days. Sundance. Correct me if I'm wrong, Darren. Is that not the movie that Death references in Bill and Ted's 2? When they're doing one of the... Is it they're in heaven? Yes. And, and they're yes, trying to is. answer a question from someone? Or <laughs> Yes. That's so is that's, that the re- that's is there the, a reference that's the only to that? Reference there is I, a reference to that. Wow. when you said the movie, I was like, that's ringing a bell in my head. And then yeah, I just yeah. pictured Death saying it. There yeah, you go. no, I have actually seen these toys. And, and I did think of um, Death when when I first saw them in a, in a book or some. I saw them somewhere. Because what is it? It's like um, Socrates or one of them is like trying... Socrates, sorry. Is trying, to, is trying to mimic out some words or something and people are... It's almost like they're playing charades and then that's Death's answer and everyone just sort of stares at him going, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, when they're in the pearly gates. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're looking at him as if, yeah. As what if, are you what doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Not even in heaven. Yep. Anyway, no. nice little sidebar. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> so we got four figures released in the first wave, which included Indy, Marion, Tot, which I, I figure he's the kind of German... Spy in all black and the black fedora mm-hmm. um, with the glasses who gets a nice bit of face-melting action towards the end <laughs> sequence. And uh, we also got the very almost cameo appearance by the Cairo swordsman who's sort of one and done in that famous scene where he swings his sword and <laughs> Indiana Jones just pulls out his pistol and promptly shoots him dead. In that, Well, in true to form... Harrison Ford shooting first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe that was ad lib that scene. It was. Yeah. yeah. He's just gone bang, and yep. the guys jump down, there and the director's like, "You beauty." That's it. Yeah. We got it. We're done. It's and it's a very iconic scene. So they were the first four to be released. They also on the packaging featured the ad for the mail away Belloc figure, who you know the old uh, collect the coupons, mail them away, and get mm-hmm. your get your free Belloc figure. Um. Now, all the figures, with the exception of Marion, had this new articulated knee joint, which was pretty cool. And, of course, Indy had the quick draw action that you could use uh, to do the, uh, you know, the good old Indy uppercut as well, if you wanted. (laughs) Um, One really interesting note on the Indy figure was something that uh, Davey will resonate with, was a brittle part of his body. Uh, anyone got any guesses on which part was brittle? <laughs> the crutch, the, the nugget pouch. I'm nugget it's pouch. The nugget pouch. It, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. We weren't cracking nugget pouches here. We're cracking the thumb. The thumb would notoriously just break off. Oh, okay. Yeah, like like a certain modern manufacturer that he's been critical of. No, he used to break the GI Joe thumbs trying to put weapons in. Oh, the, okay. Uh, yeah. So. That, that's an interesting flaw that that seems to be an issue that if you're trying to pick up a vintage loose indie figure, look out for the thumb. Now, the, the interesting part of the first indie figure we got was the photos that Kenner had to do the, the figure were based on the scene where he visits Marion in the bar. And in that scene, it's the one scene where he doesn't have his uh, iconic satchel. So that figure was produced sans satchel. Oh, so yeah, that's sort of yeah. one of the, one of the things that that's so weird. Yeah, isn't it? Like you get, I guess, if you get the art for that, that's that's like, what like, you're going to base it's like it on. Like making a Luke Skywalker figure in the scene where he's not carrying a lightsaber. Yeah, like I know, it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't, but it, it goes <laughs> to show 
how these things were done back mm. in the day. The lo- not necessarily the love and attention uh, put into it. Mm. Um, the Tot figure, he's he's got an interesting, uh, almost I don't know I don't know how to put this, but a, sort of a hail um, action feature oh. with the with the um, medallion kind of etched into because you know he tries to he pick does, it up when it's heated and it burns, him. And it burns yeah. him and so that's sort of his feature and he's got a coat a rubbery overcoat you can put on which kind of forces you to do the feature like it's it, it so it doesn't doesn't have arm. the doesn't have the love and care and affection but it still has the racism okay that's good to know <laughs> yeah and, and this line gets maligned it sort of gets I don't know if you call it criticism but critiqued or criticised for the fact that all the kind of the action features or the play sets for the most part kind of get you to recreate boring scenes Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that but you know I guess when they could maybe for such an action oriented film they do they do a few good things where there's a bit of action but they also do some no there's there's nothing like that there's like a marketplace where you can hide your Marion in a basket (laughs) it's sort of like oh okay or you know recreate that bit where the light comes through and shines on the map room you know like oh they're really stretching for the action kind you can do of do that with a magnifying glass right <laughs> yeah right so yeah so some some sort of criticism around uh maybe that them pulling on some of the less interesting sequences to recreate um the next wave we got was another four figures we got uh good old john reese davies our our favorite dwarf in um salah we got Belloc now in again what might may be considered his most boring suit of the entire movie without his hat. Uh, he's basically wearing a white suit, white mm. shirt and a red cravat if you can picture him from that sort of sequence. Uh, we also got the um, German mechanic and I'm just seeing uh, the, and the Indy as a German soldier. So again, in a line where you could probably do some you know, more generic infantrymen uh, and and sort of Cairo type goons, you've gone into doing a variant of Indy in a fairly non iconic suit. So again, getting a bit of criticism there. So this was this was Kenner doing these ones. It was Kenner. Right? Yeah. Kenner, do you know if they used the same? I want to say Harrison Ford head sculpt. Well, that's a really stuff? that like... is a fantastic question. Um, they did for their twelve inch indie. Right. So they basically took the Han Solo the Han from the twelve inch line wow, and used the exact I've head. Seen it, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think for the indie in this line it, it is a unique sculpt. Okay. And and they, there's a bit of criticism as well when they did the relaunch line off the back of Crystal Skull that the indie looked so bad. <laughs> and everyone was like, why didn't you just take a good sculpt of your Harrison Ford and put that on? Like, you guys have had this license for a long time. <laughs> Come on, you can do better. Um, so so that, that was pretty much it for the figures. We did get three additional figures that came with the play sets. So you got the Monkey Man, who came with the Streets of Cairo adventure set, came, which also comes with a little crouching or little kind of huddled up Marion non-articulated figures. We're not going to count that one because um, that's not really a figure. Map Room Indie comes with a kind of an Indie dressed up in his white robes. And that one comes with the satchel. Hey, so if you, you need your Map Room Indie to kind of complete uh, that one. And we also then got the Belloc in his ceremonial armor from the final sequence. Um, now the play sets and vehicles, we've got a horse as well. Um, as we said, may have been a bit controversial in terms of what they chose to do. We got the um, Desert Convoy Truck, which is a really nice truck. And the feature it has is a windable kind of cable. So you can recreate the scene where it's driving along and, ha- and Indiana Jones kind of goes under the, the truck oh, and gets pulled under yep, the truck. Yep. Um, so that, that's a pretty cool sequence. But then, And we also got the Arabian Horse, which funnily enough came on a blister card. So hmm. um, it, it looks quite weird seeing this gigantic horse you know, packaged in a, in a blister. But that came with the galloping action. We got, like I said, the Streets of Cairo set, which is essentially that, that scene where Marion's hiding in the, in the basket and it comes with the monkey man, the monkey, like a, a cart and a whole heap of kind of, I guess, fruit. Does it come with bad dates? Yeah, no, I think it pretty much does. <laughs> it pretty much does come with some sort of some sort of fruit, and but the the piece de la resistance uh, of the action figures was the Well of Souls, 
which has like a breakaway wall. It has a little hidden mummy, heaps of snakes, and hidden under the stone kind of capsule is the Ark of the Covenant, fully vac-metaled. And it's beautifully detailed, shines like an actual Ark of the Covenant would. And the really cool part of that is you can get the little sticks that go through so that the characters can kind of like cart it, it away. Nice. So I thought that's a that's a pretty nice um, little feature. That's that's pretty much it for that line. But just to note, there are some reports of the ceremonial attire mail away belloc actually also being released on card. So that seems to be for this line the Holy Grail as well as the Marion Ravenwood figure. Very, very sought after in terms of sort of scarcity. For those figures that hung around on the shelves, I think you got the tot was mm-hmm. very, very common and just hung around for a long time. And that uh, Streets of Cairo adventure with Monkey Man as well seemed to hung, hang around in clearance and they basically couldn't get rid of those, those figures. And I think to some extent, the trouble they had with this line really impacted what they did with it later on as we see with the transition to LJN for Temple of Doom. Now, Temple of Doom, if you can cast your minds back to that film, got a lot of criticism when it was released for, I guess, the amount of violence. They depicted a lot of child slavery. It was a very dark film. No Marion Jones. Yeah, no Marion Jones. We had uh, Willie uh, as our female lead. Who went on to become Steven Spielberg's wife, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So LJN took over the line and all they did were three figures. Now, if you know Thundercats, you know that LJN uh, uh, traditionally do the larger figures. And this was the case where we changed scales midway through the line. These figures were larger, I think closer to that five and a half inch sort of scale. And if you know what LJN likes to do with their figures, it's all about the battlematic action. (laughs) So they, I think pretty much, you know, they all had the, the swinging arm kind of action feature. We got uh, Indy, we got Molar Ram and the giant Thuggy. And uh, they were, for the most part, they look like pretty cool figures. The Indy you know, has a removable hat. He has all the accessories. Um, so they're, they're quite nicely made. But I think with the backlash from the film, these didn't do too well and LJN basically pulled it. And when... Last Crusade came out. No one really wanted to touch it. Toy stores had been burnt with these things sort of sitting in clearance. And uh, they they didn't have any tie-in That's toys. That's very and interesting. Nine eighty nine, I guess, belonged to Batman. Well, it did. Too, yeah. In terms yeah. of floor space. Uh, it was uh, the 1989 Tim Burton film stuff and also 50th anniversary of Batman toy stuff. Uh, released as well. So. That's such a shame because Temple of Doom is uh, sorry, Last, Last Crusade, Crusade, arguably, as you said, one of the the best. It's my favorite. It's, it's, it's a it's, it's my a flip for it's yeah, my favorite, which is the the best film in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. I will concede it's the one I saw at the cinema. Yeah, I saw it as a mm-hmm. child, but uh, so that probably plays in my mind as well in terms of how I feel about it. But yeah, it's easily my favorite. Oh, it's got uh, Sean kind of the chemistry exactly. between Ford yeah. and Connery in it's that great. film. It is the, it's movie the, magic. It, it, to me, it's movie magic. This film, I don't care what I'm doing. If I turn on the TV and it's on, watch I'll watch it, it to yep. the end. Every time without fail, I just can't help myself. That's how much I love this film. Now, I do want to get to something at this point and ask the question, and then I'll just touch on the kind of Hasbro Crystal Skull stuff because I think that's an interesting footnote to this line. I'll ask you a couple of questions here, and then I want to ask you a question at the end. Sure. Why do we think indie, you know, for the fact it's it's movie magic and it's, you know, it's Steven Spielberg, it's George Lucas, it's Harrison Ford, it's action adventure. Why hasn't it done anywhere near, not even like close to what Star Wars has done with toys? Do you think there's anything in, in that that makes it so different? I think you've hit, hit the nail on on the head with what you've what you've said you've answered your own question and I'll go back and I'll say the execution of the Kenner toy line wasn't of the standard that Star Wars was at and the execution of or at least the response to Temple of Doom let that line down the um, the response to the film let, let that line down before it had a chance to sort of make its way and then of course in 89 uh, nothing happened 
uh, despite the fact that it's probably the best quality film. So I think that that sort of held it held it back as far as the first three films go. Uh, first one, Kenneth's toy line was was not of the standard of their Star Wars line. Uh, the, um, the second film, the film wasn't of the standard Star Wars was at, and I, I think that that sort of caught up with with the manufacturers along along the way. But I do think there is potential if someone can can make decent indie f- figures, particularly based on the first three mm-hmm. three films. That, yeah, that's that's an take. interesting point. And, this and, is and my hot take. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I, I want because I want to get into the Hasbro stuff to see what decent toys based on the original trilogy may or may not look like. I think for back then it was also it's competing with, you know, lightsabers and Darth Vaders and and, you know, sort of you know, G.I. Joe's as well with you know, guns and all sorts of stuff. Whereas indie sort of comes as, as a bit of a a little bit boring in the look of it. Now, great films, wonderful chemistry, you know, great acting does that necessarily yeah, translate, translate to, to, to an exciting toy line? Yeah, probably not. It, it suffers yeah. from being after Star Wars 2, probably, where mum and dad are probably like, oh, no, do you know how many Star Wars figures you've got? <laughs> yeah, you're not. Not uh, another not- line <laughs> in this scale from this manufacturer that could go six years. Yep. yep. No way. Yeah. You're not doing it. And interestingly, one of the comments I read with someone that had looked at this, they sort of said, indie is the sort of thing, if you're going to play indie, you pretend to be indie. You know, yeah, you run around the, the house or you go outside and you pretend to be being chased by a boulder. It's role play maybe rather than playing with the action figures. Exactly. You pretend you've got the whip and, yeah. and so, the hat. Yeah. And, so they just yeah. should have sold a bunch of big plastic balls? Is that what we're saying? Pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I think, a, you know, a hat or a whip yeah. and yeah. things yeah. like that. I'm the... Right down the beach being chased by a giant beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm probably the person in the room that's only seen these movies once or twice, right? I have no care factor whatsoever with Indiana Jones. Uh, you know fantastic if you're a fan or whatever but it's not my genre i and it just goes back to the in my opinion the 80s toys right you 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 have to stand out on those toy shelves you so yep. you know you've got um the batman you know uh, dc superpowers line you've yep. got uh, marvel that didn't do too well with their secret wars mm. you've got transformers gi joe you know all those masters well i mean well that was way later but yeah yeah, um you know you're fighting for space so if you're not you yeah cool you've got the adults you've got the dads yeah exactly this is a dad's movie (laughs) right you know dad's going to see the movie but are they going to take their son and say hey you should be you know you should be playing uh indiana jones when the kid's like no 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 dad i want to watch transformers you know and to the point where dad and son or you know whatever can probably watch go and watch star wars together and enjoy it but i'm not sure about you know dad never took me to see indiana jones you know that sort of scenario so uh i was never brought up on indie yep now that makes a lot of Mm. sense i think that's probably a a fair call all right so in 2008 hasbro had a second crack at making Indiana Jones toys because we had the new Harrison Ford film with uh, Marion came back. We had Steven Spielberg back and we got the Crystal Skull, which is, I think, mostly hated on. <laughs> I, I've only seen it once and I saw this at the cinema with some friends while we were over in the UK. And I remember coming out thinking, you know, it was a fun film, um, but obviously it wasn't up to the standard and I'll probably... I think what, Say no more. I think what broke it for me as the film... The ants? Was, well, the ants... The, the CG was at that thing where yes. they're like, we can do so much with CG. Yep. And even at the time, yeah. it just didn't look any good. No. Now, effects tend to age poorly, of course, but it looked bad at the time. And just aliens. The aliens at the end broke it for me. Indy, for me, has always been steeped in mythology. Yeah. The yeah. second you bring aliens into it, I'm just like... Well, just hand him a lightsaber and call it Star Wars. But Spielberg you know loves I mean? aliens, you see. Yeah, why well, he's trying to tie it back to Close Encounters. Yeah, he <laughs> was. Yeah. Anyway, regardless of the quality of the film, they got a chance to make Crystal Skull figures, but also go back and look at the original trilogy. So, the first kind of figures that were released were obviously Crystal Skull, and we got representations of from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And these didn't do very well, so their kind of Last Crusade and their um, Temple of Doom figures kind of trickled out, and I think some of the lines just went straight to supermarkets. So, so really, just reissues of the old stuff? No, well, so they were, they were new updates, much like Star Wars was kind of doing. Hmm. So 
and that the first Harrison Ford figure was was atrocious. I mean, it just looked nothing like it. In which they corrected in a kind of final set. They'd got the sculpt updated. Um, I remember this line coming out in 08. And I, being a big indie fan, I'm like, yep, this is my jump on point. I'm going to get these. It's a nice cheap way to get some Indiana Jones toys into my life. I never saw them in Australia. Right. Like, I think... There are a couple of stores, maybe Case Fresh back in the day, where you could order them online, and I thought, oh, this is just too much effort. So I never went in on these, and I'm probably glad I didn't, because in the 2021 cull of Trent's toy room, these probably would have been gone. one of yeah, the yeah. things to go. I do remember seeing them, and I do remember thinking, not much. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not super exciting. There are a couple of cool figures, and a, being a massive Last Crusade fan, you get the Crusade Knight, from the end of that film, oh, who I think nice. is, is fantastic. Yes. Yep. You get the Elsa figure. Um, you get you get some really, really cool things in there. El- Elsa Schneider. Uh, Colonel Vogel is in there. Um, but also things we probably didn't want, like Kate Blanchett from Crystal Skull and Mutt <laughs> Williams. Um, in 2014, San Diego got a Lost Wave assortment exclusive. And these were kind of updated figures based on the Kenner line. Um, that we got so that was pretty cool and they updated the indie for that and I guess I'll leave it at this point to now say Indiana Jones 5 is greenlit for mm-hmm. a film what do we think is the appetite or the potential for Indiana Jones toys do we see like a, a 6 inch black series line do we see them try to do some Kenner reissues do they try and update some more modern 3 and 3 quarter inch or do they just go with the Last Crusade, and do nothing. Well, I guess it, it depends on on their appetite after 2008. But give it a go. What, what do you think I've, they're going to do? I've, I don't know. What, we got a new film know coming. What, do. What, what I would like to see them do, what I think they've done well, is to let someone like Necker have a go at it. Because I think they'd what, do what, in Neck, how would ne- you uh, ask Necker? Like a Back to, to the Future. Like a Back to the Future. Like a, but Necker you know, would have to... Plastic goods? Yeah, I... I think plastic goods. I'm thinking more along the lines of Ace Ventura with yep, the cloth Ventura, goods. Bit, yeah, mm-hmm. eight, eight, you know, that eight-inch scale, that little bit larger with the cloth goods, like the jaws, figures and things, because mm. you just know they're not going to go super deep, right? Yep. They're going to yep. do no. about five figures, that's it. Yeah. So why don't not do it more in a premium style? Yep. Do, you know, the, the wickedest, couple of wicked indie action figures, do it at the cloth goods and then call cool. it, you know, Smart. with yep. uh, with a few other A grade characters, Sean Connery. And if you Hasbro or Necker, sign this man up for a, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a a marketing deal. I reckon. Yeah, I think it's it's either that or it's nothing. I don't think you're going to get three and three quarter or six inch sort of figures at, at local. It's been retail. tried a number of times. Correct. It's, it's, not it's the too, formula too, for much, this one. too much of a risk. Yep. Um, well, yeah, it's not. I reckon your problem is probably retailers at this point. You know, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a successful history, but it is a it could it's be a, a blockbuster movie yeah. tie-in on a, a well-proven. This is what I find. I mean, it's just not to harp on it, but I find this fascinating mm. because I think we've touched on maybe the factors why it didn't work as a toy line. Yeah, but if you're a marketing exec, if you're sitting at Hasbro and you're going, we've got the license to do indie toys on paper. It should be a, uh, a good deal, you know. Like it should be a it slam dunk. It should it's, be. It's a well-known franchise. You've got a big star like Harrison Ford yep. doing his thing again. Um, well, one of the biggest filmmakers of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's. It, that's his most, uh, you know, famous Iconic film, role, yeah. a, a, as yeah. opposed to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I reckon it yeah, is definitely. Yep, yep, his famous role. So, yeah. can I just jump in? What about Lego? Lego had it for yes. a hot minute. And they, they couldn't even uh, keep it going. You know, that Lego, that's their ball game when they're building the Aztec yeah. towers and yeah. the snake pit and the ball going down the, you know, uh, the trap thing. And they couldn't even keep it going for too long. So. I think Lego is a fascinating one. I remember 2008 vividly in terms of my collecting habits. And I wasn't in on Lego at that time. I was tentatively in on a bit of the DC superheroes or Batman stuff that yeah. was around that time. I reckon I bought a Batwing on clearance in 2008, if my memory serves me correctly, because I was coming back from that UK trip. And I passed on all the indie stuff. If indie stuff came out now and I didn't have a T-stop, I'd be much more inclined to get it. But yeah, an interesting one, because I think there's a lot to be said for that. Lego can't make it work. It's saying a fair bit. 
Yeah, interesting one. Well, time will tell. Let's uh, absolutely let's uh, replay this episode when we get the Indy Five uh, merchandise and absolutely. see who is on the money. Now we've got a final shout out for our indie segment before we close. So yeah, speaking of shout outs in indie, we had a uh, a friend of the show, Tony Francis. Now this is going back to about May last year, where he actually emailed us. Like remember email? Like when we when we used to use that. Um, and he basically said, and I think we shouted him out on the show at the time, but doing Indiana Jones, we're like, wait, what was that guy who showed us his amazing Indiana Jones collection? So this was Tony. He sent through uh, a bunch of photos with uh, a bunch of stuff you will never see. He, According to the email, he's been doing this for 20 plus years of collecting and uh, shares the same problem a lot of us do, that his wife shakes her head every time another package arrives. And waggles her finger. And waggles the Harrison finger. Harrison <laughs> So yeah, so uh, Tony's a, a fellow Aussie from hails from Canberra. So shout out to you, Tony. Um, maybe you can, you know, um, correct us on some of this indie stuff. You know what? When Indy Five does arrive, we'd love to hear your thoughts on um, on the movie and uh, any figures as well. And my favourite non-toy related Indiana Jones piece of merchandise is the tot candle with him in screaming <laughs> face mode, and you can light the wick and watch his face slowly melt to recreate that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark in painful. Slow style. It's, it's just such a Spielberg thing. It isn't is, it? isn't it? It's this, uh, you know, movie that is very family friendly. It's action yep. adventure, and then just this horrific scene out yep. of nowhere that would have given kids of the eighties nightmares. Yep, I know <laughs> it well. And um, final shout out to season one of our favourite show, Plastic Crack, uh, the documentary by none other than Guillermo um, Olivio. That lands on a cliffhanger of them opening up a sealed box that I think... Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. We don't know, and this is the big reveal, potentially could be a, a lost sort of case of, of Indiana Jones, but there's no labels on it. No, uh, no. So can't wait for season two of Plastic Crack to find out the result of that so mystery. So what, what's the... What's it, now that you know what the good well, the, characters are, what is It's going to be a case full of tots and Cairo and... Um, <laughs> Maybe Monkey Man from right. the... Uh, <laughs> right, right. And, it'll, and it'll just be thrown away. No, but knowing now, I guess, the value, like, you know, theoretically, that belloc, ceremonial yeah. armour belloc um, on card would yep. just be amazing. Yep. Marion Ravenwood on card, and obviously Indy. Um, but I think the line does go for a bit, with the exception maybe of some of those um, more common figures that were clearanced. It, it is a very valuable line. Yep. We could... Alrighty, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is a review. Wonder Woman 84. And this was really, I guess, one of the early films to test the dual cinema and streaming service model that we sort of saw launched with Mulan on their Disney Plus streaming service premium range. For us, we don't really... uh, Well, I certainly don't have easy access to HBO Max here. So this and cinemas are pretty easy to go to. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have have appropriate COVID restrictions in terms of seating, so can't sit next to anyone that's not a family member or part of your group. But uh, I, I managed to get to the cinema to see this. A lot of our friends over in the US and other parts of the world were watching it on streaming. And, and I listened to the guys at DC On Screen do their review, David and Jason. They you know, could watch it sort of three times before yeah. they did their review, which was an interesting sort of side note. But this film, you could already start to see it. It was one of these films that got delayed because of the pandemic and those... Obviously, the films have embargoes on when you can start to do reviews. And and then I sort of got the sense that it wasn't getting the best reviews. They were mixed at best. I didn't want to know too much. I obviously wanted to go into this film uh, fairly open-minded. Now, normally, we do a little bit of a box office takings kind of it's thing, which is really hard to do, to do. with the streaming yeah. service. But I suspect it wasn't the critical the critical success that the first Wonder Woman film was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe just start with my impression and then I'll go over to you gentlemen. But 
th- this film had a, I think, quite a nice kind of concept opening sequence with the race. You know, the, the, the almost the Olympic Games. That was awesome. Games. That, love the that. Mascara. Yep, love and, that. And there were a few wonky kind of gravity things in there that I kind of just put down to the way they do sort of CG and, and some of the stuff. But for the most part, great opening sequence. And it set the scene for the kind of don't cheat Diana kind of story arc, which comes back into play. The morals. The morals, yes. right? Which is, yep. I think, important for a yes. film like this. And I, yep. I don't mind that at all. We then dive into a mall sequence that felt a, a little bit like Stranger Things. That sort of they'd used a lot of malls in their later season, and we have this but, kind of but heist. That, but that mall sequence, right? let me just pause on that though. Mm-hmm. That mall sequence was very janky, like very, uh, you know, haphazard and poorly. Like it was, sort a, of it was a Linda Carter. Yeah, it was a Linda Carter tribute. The way I saw it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and, well, and that needed to be more spoon fed to the audience because it felt very. Like there was uh, a, it was jarring because yes, you go from yes. you go from Wonder Woman very serious very continuation you know, of Wonder Woman yes, like you yep, say Patty yep, Jenkins yep and this is the tone we got in the first Wonder Woman to a very jarring 1984 where they are clearly paying homage in the acting in the kind of hokey choreography yep, yep. in the you know winks to the camera yep. and the over like and I was totally taken out of this film at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I watching? And then part of my brain did this thing where I talked about in the WandaVision where I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. It almost felt a little bit to me like Christopher Reeve, yeah. Superman, that that it was done in the style of something else. And I kind of relaxed into it and that made it better for me, the viewing experience. If I hadn't done that, I would have gone through this whole film going this is a bit too hokey for me and it's a mm. bit too leaning into a lot of those 80s things which should be kind of maybe to some degree left in there. Stranger Things to me does it really well in yes. that they give you the mall as the backdrop but then they play it as they would act today. Mm-hmm. I felt like this gave you the backdrop and they and everyone in there was like, play it like you're in an 80s film. Okay, I can do that. Yep. I can do the, the, the crazy crook that, you know... It it it, yeah. it was very very distracting, and I had to let it go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have enjoyed this film. And I think a lot of people probably from that point on couldn't let it go. And I think and, and suffered because of it. Correct, and because it, it has the tag of a box office superhero film, you automatically before you've even seen a trailer, you have this preconceived notion of what it's going to be. That it's going to be. Uh, and look, there have been some that are period pieces, and the first Wonder Woman's a good example of that, set all in that World War One era, but it was a lot more... Gra- I think people are prepared to go gritty sooner than they are to go campy in today's sort of viewing audiences. I... Yeah, I, I, I struggled with this one, to be honest. There was a couple of great moments, and it should be fair to say we're going to spoil this movie, so if you haven't seen it, um, now's probably a good time to tune out for a little bit. Ali turned to me when this moment happened and she's doing the tap, rapid tap on on my arm. She goes, best sequence of the movie, the invisible jet. I didn't think they would get there. And yes, if you, you sort of, it's very, they've rushed through how they get there. Yeah, yeah. But the fact Dad that did they this did once, it, watch me, boom. Exactly, yeah. But it was the fact that they could just do it and if you didn't think too hard about yeah. it, you go, cool. I kind of felt that, that them flying through the, yeah, the fireworks, fireworks, that was, I feel like that was trying to be an attempt at the, the No Man's Landing, um, No Man's Land scene from the first movie. That was right. meant to be some sort of a big... Piece, but it just it lacked a bit of oomph for me. I just thought that was stupid, though. Like of all <laughs> yeah. the places to fly, why fly through a fireworks? Well, like, is, it, is it a bit like, of like, is that romantic? Be, is that what uh, I'm trying to play at? Isn't that yeah. going to that... send the plane down, like spiraling <laughs> yeah. to the but ground? It's, it might be invisible. Be <laughs> like because yeah, but because fireworks <laughs> through an invisible jet. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I was like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but is that? I, I think. To be honest, after I listened to those DC guys break this film down, every point they made was valid. You know, like even to the extent of like Wonder Woman okay. can fly. All right, Wonder all right. Woman does all these cool things. She can make things go invisible. Why? Why isn't she using yeah. that in two thousand and twenty? Yeah, like right. Yeah. I didn't think too hard on this film. Yeah. And I think that helped me because if I did, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't. I would have so just been going, "Why 
funny. We, yeah. we, 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 um, so my experience, we went as a family. We took yes. the girls and it was fantastic to take the kids and awesome to see them enjoying it and things. So I was happy for them to experience, uh, you know, Wonder Woman because they're growing up. You know, mm. this is going to carve their way for the rest of their life. They, this is going to be their 89 Batman, show yes, to speak, yep. right? Yep. But damn, man, was that a long movie. Yes. Like, I took two out. toilet breaks. It was, oh. That's how I judge a long you film. You can't have... Two hours is the breaking thing yeah, yeah. these days. You, you, know, could, you in, could carve 40 minutes out of that film. Oh, they could have easily, you right? lost much. Yeah. You know, Marvel can do it. DC cannot yet, <laughs> right? And the other thing that really jarred me, aside from everything else we'll probably talk about, was that CGI scene where she's taking out the trucks, um, you know, coming from... Um, oh, like the, the, the chase sequence? Yeah, the chase yep. sequence. Yep. The CGI and the things that you could almost see the ropes, you know, pulling her across. It was terrible. Okay. And I sort of thought to myself, they've had extra time to get this movie right. <laughs> mm. You got and, an extension on your oh, assignment, and it's just, It was just <laughs> terrible. It was like... You know, this isn't your your C grade character. This is yeah. like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. This is the, the trinity. holy trinity. Yeah. And you're producing this poor CGI, giving this to me as a. Oh, it's just like that took me out as yeah. well. It was that was bad. Well, what's inter- <laughs> you, you mentioned Patty Jenkins then, Trent. And what's interesting if you follow some of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, Patty Jenkins obviously directed the first Wonder Woman, but she didn't write it. This one, she was given because of the success of the first one. She was given full creative control and her and Jeff Johns are credited as the writers. Now, I think that's arguably the weakest part of this film is is the plot overall. It's the script and it's some of those you know, those sort of cheesy moments we have. There's some great elements to it. I and I take Ben's point about how silly it is when you look at it. Objectively, I love the invisible jet and I actually really enjoyed that. As far as the action the chase sequence with those military vehicles, that was probably the that best was, bit. That was yeah. my highlight. Yes. He, he, and I acknowledge the CG in that wasn't... It was a bit wonky. was yeah. a bit wonky. I, I felt it really crumbled at the cheetah sequence. Like yes, the C- that was CG a nothing. Wise. They, and it's another, it's another case of Warner Brothers and their marketing materials. The lassoing the lightning, remember when we saw that in the yeah, trailers? And it was yeah. like, damn! I felt that should have been a massive moment in the film, but I'd already seen it 50 yeah, million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same with Cheetah, the Cheetah fight sequence. Well, how could you even was... see that in such darkness? <laughs> no, I couldn't tell what was happening. Oh, man. You I, know. Th- I think that was, uh, we're not quite sure on this like furry CG, so let's do it at night time yeah. before you can't see yeah. the details. But yeah. why did she even turn into a Cheetah? Because she, she wanted, wanted to be the alpha... The apex predator. Yeah, apex predator. I thought that was kind of cool. Yep. So the, it made sense what, how she got there. But bloody hell, it was a long, you know, long road to, to get, get there. there. Yeah, Darren, what? Are, let's, yes, let's hear from you. You've been you, pretty please. quiet. Mate. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was, at the very least, a good film. If um, I did enjoy the first one more, um, I know a lot of people, not just in this room, but generally, have, have compared it to the Christopher Reeve Superman films, and I think that's a fair comparison. I also had a uh, before anyone looks at me strangely, I'll, I'll talk to why I come to this in a second. Also, I had a bit of a Batman Returns vibe to it. And I think that was because... because it was a sequel? Possibly. <laughs> right. Possibly. And it was at no, Chris, no, 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 Christmas no. time? Christmas. No. Um, Cheetah. Um, cat. You know, mousy, um, blonde, feeling awkward, um, not knowing quite her place in the world, transforming into a cat. Do you know what's funny? A... Um, <laughs> A billionaire by the name of Max that's yep. behind that. Max Rick, yeah. uh, Max Rick versus, you know, Max Lord. I, I, so, sorry, to, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry to jump in, Darren, yeah. but you reminded me of a meme I saw that just went, so apparently all it takes to become a supervillain is you have to be like nerdy and wear glasses and they had Poison Ivory from Batman Forever, <laughs> they had Selena Kyle, yeah, I saw that. they had this one and I'm just like, Oh, yeah, there's quite a few like that. Well, it's, a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a trope, right? That's a, it's a <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, no, I just had that vibe sure. to it. Um, and Ben's right, it was the second film as well. But I, I do think there are some parallels to Batman Returns, Returns in terms of the story. Um, just around, you know, um, a cat-like character who does feel very awkward in the world, making that transformation and a billionaire that's sort of pulling the, the strings of the whole, whole thing. You know... I liked a, I liked a lot of the values around it. I thought that that was quite good, in in terms of um, going with what we want versus what's right, and and the the moral and ethical dilemmas that that, that can bring. I, f- I thought that was quite good. I agree. The editing was a little off, and and I think that 
really lets it down in terms of just the overall flow of the film. And that is a bit surprising given how long they've been sitting on it, but it's quite clear they've literally been sitting on it. They didn't do any further work after the mm. delays. Yeah. Well, speaking, yeah. speaking of a moral dilemma, what about Wonder Woman basically sleeping with who she views as uh, Chris Pine, a.k.a. Steve Trevor, but in fact it's another guy's body that's just well, been was, taken over? Yeah, it was the biggest issue the DC guys had with this film was that. Mm. Yeah, her behaviour to basically rape a guy which was <laughs> wow. which was what no, how they put it um which i don't think is how it's meant to be portrayed no, but I'm... but it is that guy is unwittingly right. performing a sexual act with someone yeah. and he's not he, in control yeah. of his facility right so right. it's yeah. and they can i think that sequence at the end with him being kind of like hey i'm, yeah. I'm into you is kind of to placate that a little bit the, yeah but right. it it, it uh, but the, but the other thing I know it's the 80s so they don't have social media and don't have that quick access to yeah. connect to, to your next person but none of his friends or anything went looking for him you know that was <laughs> he the, was the kind what... of guy that didn't have friends well still but like <laughs> a lot of pictures of himself like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, apparently he did have friends they criticised his um, clothing that's course. right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just and when you've got a, a plot device that is can literally do anything you have a wishing stone why not just have him back? Just have him back. You don't have to Rather explain. Than him Correct. Yeah, the, it was the inhabiting of a, someone else's body. I, didn't seem well, necessary. I, I'm gonna say I I loved the concept. I I thought it was the fact that it was this other guy and he was inhabiting the body. It made sense that these wishes were kind of oh okay. Could it be a wish? Could it be real? Like the coffee? I wish I had a coffee. Oh. I've got a yeah, spare but, coffee. But like, then you've got a guy wishing a no, wall no, down I, the I, middle of Egypt. I get, and that's where you're, you're exactly... To, to that point, I was totally on board. You're right, because mm-hmm. they just materialise stuff. Yep. If you can materialise a wall, materialize just materialise Steve, it would have been much simpler. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, to be fair, I, I liked um, seeing Mando sort of flesh out his acting chops a bit. Um, he was... He was pretty good up until probably about the last sort of third of the movie when the script required him to go full megalomaniac. And to be fair, for most of it, he was doing a really good impression of Donald Trump, right? He was the cheesy salesman with the bad haircut and the fake tan and who was just more is better, more, more, more. You're fine, you're fine. Exactly, right? And and it was probably only, you know, sort of 20 minutes from the end where he's, for some reason, standing under a skylight and someone's turned the fan on um, where he just you just sort of went okay I get this is what you've been directed to do but you're not quite not quite landing it now what's interesting is in the first Wonder Woman film one of the big critiques was that last the boss battle at the yeah. end yep. and Patty's been very vocal about the fact that that was forced upon her yep. by the it wasn't yep. the ending she wanted this as she was the writer and director this was clearly the ending she wanted and in her mind Wonder Woman defeats the bad guys by talking to them yep that killed me and you know I got where they were going yeah. with you know the truth and it's set up at the start with that wonderful sequence at the start but it just went on for like 10 sentences too long and I felt there was no consequences at the end of it the bad guy didn't go to jail he got to go back to his son um, they didn't cheetah, kill Cheetah Cheetah yeah. returned to her yep. human form yep. and just seemed to be a bit pouty yep. um, <laughs> like you know all the nukes just disappeared in midair uh, the wall disappeared people were coming back to life he had no, all those no people working for him that didn't have any training behind them. <laughs> you know. I want to know what happened to the guy who wished for a farm. What happened to those farm animals? Well, Are they still it. roaming yeah. the city? Like there was just the, and part of this is when you have a plot device that is a literal god machine. Yeah. You you run yourself into a lot of problems yeah. in, in a film. Yeah. I think. You certainly can. Mm. And there were were issues with with that. I still personally enjoyed it. I think there's lots to enjoy in it. It's not as good as the first one, and there are issues with it. And there are definitely ways that I can see it could have been made stronger, even just by better editing. But you know, for having having said that, I still had a good time. Yeah, I thought. Look, Kirsten Stewart is it Kirsten? Stewart? I always get Kirsten and Christian. Yeah, I'm is the same. It, oh, no, it's, no, um, that's Chris, no. That's Kristen Chris, Chris Wig. Yeah, yes, Kristen Wig. Yes. Yeah, I'm getting the Twilight girl yeah, stuff. So, <laughs> Kirsten or Kristen. I was impressed by her performance. I was not expecting much. Being a, what I think well, is a comedic, a comedic yes. actor. Having said that, so was Michael Keaton. That's what people yeah, I, from him. No, I, and then he knocked it out of. 
I get it. So I thought the performance was good. I, I like Gal. I thought Gal did a great job. And Chris Chris Pine's always solid. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I thought Gal when she was like um a little bit um on the on the receiving end sort of thing, like when she was like looking for hope and things like that. Sort of in those, you know, those big fight scenes and yep. things, got a few bruises and I thought that was when she looked like Wonder Woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think you close your eyes and think of comic book Wonder Woman. That's when she looked most like Wonder yep. Woman yes. when she was a bit not not that, you know, pristine light shining on her all the time. Yeah, she's knocked around a bit. Yeah, no, just mm. yeah, you know, not in a, any bad way, just yeah. uh but she's um, ba- battle scars. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, mm. she's more war torn. Yeah, I yeah. thought that's when she shone the most. Mm-hmm. We talk about the Razor Crest getting blown up. And kind of, oh, do you want it now that it's blown up? What do you think of the golden armor? Did that suffer a little bit from his brilliant <laughs> suit of armor? And a cat just kind of manages to rip it apart when it was designed yep. to fend off the hordes of men. Well, you know what? I'm sort of glad. We just talked about Indiana Jones. I'm sort of glad there's not so much toy lines coming out at the moment mm. that, you know, like, especially for my kids and things, like, because if I saw a golden armor. Wonder Woman for well, the McFarlane's around the ten yeah. yeah, but around for my girls for around the ten twenty dollar mark, I probably would have bought it only to see them rip it off after fifteen seconds. <laughs> they're you gonna, know, they're going to train the cat to to pretty much. It. Well, yeah. they could. The cat's a bit of an uh, you know. <laughs> so they might do that. Yeah, I, I yeah. had that first thought as well, Trent. I was like, really? So let me get this right. This armor stood up against every man in the world, yeah. and yet. Someone who's the quote unquote apex predator comes along and starts tearing shreds off it. The only scratches it off. Yeah. Which is Wonder Woman powered, I guess. Uh, well, that was yeah. what I how I headcanoned it. She goes, she wished to be like Gal. That yeah. was her wish, and she's got the power of an Amazonian, not these barbarians from the first bit. And speaking of, when we first see the suit of armor in that flashback, did we realize? I didn't was... know it was the original Wonder Woman. Yes. Oh, cool! So yeah, that is Linda yeah. Carter because you only ever see her eyes. Nice, and that's Linda In Carter, who, of course, because you can see the Botox. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I mean, he's not Pretty wrong. But... Well, I, look, I love Linda Carter, but you know, she couldn't really move her face in that last <laughs> sequence. <laughs> yep. Any acting potential was taken away by the Botox. <laughs> It wasn't very small oh, look, cameo. It what? Look, yeah, do, do we think she that? looks? Fa- I mean, she looks amazing. Oh, no, she must be in her what seventies. Yes. Mm. I mean, she's thinking oh, that's incredible. Look, I think she's one of the most beautiful women of her generation. Yeah. I don't say that she's oh. a Wonder Woman, but but that's coincidence. You yeah. Know? Um, she just doesn't look her age. No. However, she got that. However, she got. So, so where do you think that's going to go? I I don't. Think oh, I think it's a cameo for. Yes. For yeah. The, for the, uh, I think not a setup for a this third is, film. She can't because she can't hold. She she was the president or something in, in, the, Flash, in the Flash or whatever. Yes, so yeah. fantastic, that was awesome. But I just don't think there's any, she's got it in her <laughs> no. like you know physically mm. to to hold her own. You know, a a second. I, I don't think they're asking for that. Yeah. No, 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 I don't, I don't I, think. I think it's a nice. I agree. Cameo. It's a nod to hardcore fans. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful. It's yeah, a wonderful it thing great. for Patty to do because of the the legacy. Yeah. This this to me, like I said, I didn't think too hard. I had a fun. Like I came out of this going. I had a fun time. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed the experience, and the more I think about it, the more I'm probably going to hate on this film. And it's probably what's happened tonight. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about things, and it sort of they they did a lot of things wrong. But I think they did a lot of. I, I liked the invisible jet sequence. Yeah. I didn't mind the um the car action sequence and her kind of getting banged up a bit. I didn't mind the moral. Yeah. Of the story I thought that had had um promise. One thing I'll say about the shopping center, just for our local listeners, um, to me that reminded me of the very early My Center. Uh, yeah, it did. When that opened, it did. And dazzle and land, dazzle land vibe, dazzle, but yeah. also just even <laughs> the colors of the walls. Yep, yep, just reminded me of that. And not, I don't know. It's funny the way Trent sort of replied to to that because I thought maybe I'm the only one who had that sort of thought. I just thought that was really interesting because this is an abandoned shopping center. In the US, set in nineteen eighty four, and of course the mice Center in Adelaide opened in nineteen ninety. Yeah, perhaps a sign that we were six years behind the rest of the yeah. world. But <laughs> I just, yeah, I just had that vibe to me of that early, early mice Center back when the mice Center was was a, the you know one of the places to be. Alrighty, any closing comments before we give this film a rating out of nineteen? Uh, in tribute to Davy. I don't think I'll see it anytime soon again. So. Uh, you buying have... this on Blu-ray? No, no, I don't. I've stopped buying <laughs> no, any yeah. any films on Who anything. Yeah. Yeah. Darren, 
Um, and me. In terms of Final Thoughts, yeah, look, I, I really enjoyed it. I'll watch it again. Um, I'll pick it up when it comes out on Blu-ray yep. um, to go with the collection like I always do. Yeah, it's a long film, like Ben said, so obviously I'll have to you know, make sure I've got the time to fit it in. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch it again. So out of 19? Out of 19, I'd probably say good... I'd say probably say 14, 14 and a half. That, it's not perfect, but it's enjoyable. I, I have seen it twice. We, we paid to go see it at the cinemas and have since seen it on streaming. Uh, to Trent's point, it kind of didn't get better the second time around. Uh, I'm 10. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to sit it at, at 12. Uh, and only because I clicked my brain into trying to lean into what Paddy was doing and, and just go with the ride. Uh, if I have to think too much more, the the score gets lower and yeah. lower. Yeah. I'm going to rate it 11. Uh, I just hope... I'm, I'll never say a bad thing around my girls around it. So Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I enough. like that, Ben. No, um, that's good. Because, you know, I mean, you want them to have their generations. Yeah, and they're, they're, still, you they're still young. They don't see any of that CGI badness no, and things. No, you know? sure. They might feel the length of the movie. Yeah, oh, this yeah, is too long. And Dad, I need yeah. to go to the toilet again. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, can I have another <laughs> drink of water? You know, that sort of stuff. But they, you know, they're still of that they're um, that young they're mind. They're, they're, magic they're, just, and why yeah. would you want to ruin it for them? No, you don't want to yeah. ruin it. If that. they're engaged yeah. and enjoying it, why not? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. done its job then, isn't it? I mean, that's, mm. that's why a film like this exists to some degree. Yeah. To, to um, bring in a new generation of fans. Alrighty. We're going to have to wrap this episode up very soon, but we're going to have a quick round the room for show and tell. Yep. Two minutes each. What have we got here? All right, so I have got the. I think it's the third loot crate now. So the first one was the uh, from NECA. The first one was the Spirit of Splinter. Second one was the um, Mirage Shredder. Mm-hmm. And third one we have video game. We have the um, the screaming. The, well, what's it called? Shell shock. Shell shock. Shell shock. Shell shock. Glow in the dark turtle with a gaping mouth with his tongue hanging out. Uh, not this is definitely this is a perfect San Diego Comic Con exclusive. Great. You know, yeah, it is. You don't feel like you're missing anything if you out don't have if you it, don't you have, have it. it. Yeah. It's a bit of a wacky, uh, you know, character. Uh, I thought I'd come in. It's got pretty much got one pose, but it does have some pretty cool articulation, like the other Necker figures do. Uh, I just love the fact that it's glow in the dark. I'll be keeping mine, and I've opened it tonight to show the boys what it looks like. Open out a package, and to surprise, surprise, it comes with alternate hands that you can hold something that he doesn't have anything to hold. So <laughs> kind of cool. Um, yeah, I'm not going to place him with my turtle figures. I'm going to put him with the more glow-in-the-dark characters that I've got around my yep. room. So uh, I think it's a welcome addition, and I can't say how cool some of the other accessories in the loot crate were, oh, yeah. especially the Shredder TV, the um, yep. lenticular it's- design of a Shredder TV that to me has solidified me ordering all the loot crates <laughs> that NECA has offered. So Whether many the, cool little yeah. You know, yeah. magnets yep. and, and key rings and, and, and stickers and, and things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Even if I don't want the figure, I think those other pieces uh, pay for themselves. So yep. very cool. Awesome. So I brought along with me a figure that, that um, a number of people in the room probably fam- familiar with. It is the Masters of the Universe Classics 2011 Queen Marlena figure. She was a, um, offered originally as a San Diego Comic Con exclusive figure in the Queen Marlena form, which um, my good friend Trent happened to help me out with acquiring when, when that happened. And she was also offered in the astronaut version on Maddie Collector, which you could transform same figure, really, but it's just displayed figure, but differently just in the displayed box. Differently in a Came with Cringer or someone? Came with Cringer? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I chose this one, I was looking around at, at um, my figures and I thought, you know what, I, the thing about the Vintage Masters line is it ended pretty much, well, Wave 6 was, was really the last wave that sort of hit retail, certainly over here. Um, King Randor and Sorceress were in that, and I remember thinking, you know, Queen Marlena must be around the corner when I... When I got those two figures and and was fully pumped for that, and then of course the line ended. I didn't so, and then the Crimity series rolled around 2002, rolled around and again no Queen Marlena. So when when Classics got to her, it was a really big deal for me because it felt like unfinished business dating all the way. Well, the royal family you could finally kind of absolutely you could finally complete them as a royal family, and you know for that she'll always be a big deal to me. My toy collection. 
her blaster is freaking awesome as well. I've got a man at arms holding her blaster. It's a the massive, long one. like yeah. pulse yeah. rifle oh, cool. type futuristic. It's based blaster. on the yeah. 1987 film one. Uh, you know, from the um, Skeletor's Troopers. Yep. That's that's what it's sort of based on. That blaster. So yeah, really, really cool accessory. Alright, so for me, I have pulled off the shelf uh, a figure I've mentioned a couple of times. It was even mentioned in our Toy of the Year as part of my best vintage scores for 2020. This is Robotic Rocksteady from the vintage Ninja Turtles line. This is circa 1993, if you're lucky enough to find one. Uh, as mentioned, got this from a, a lovely um, fellow turtle fan in Australia, so I didn't have to pay exorbitant shipping fees. It's come with two out of the three weapons. He's got a blaster that sort of attaches to his forearm and another one that sort of is meant to be like a, a crowbar that's sort of almost welded to his arm. Um, there's another accessory that's like a, uh, a three-headed chainsaw type thing that he supposedly comes with, which I didn't get. Um, but yeah, the, the, for a, a toy that is, what is he, 30 years old more or less, um, the, the chrome on it is in amazing condition. Um, and he's not an easy find either. He's in that that elusive wave that includes things like Scratch and Mona Lisa. Yes, you know that that you know a lot of that stuff is really obscure. So yeah, did and well. I I always thought it was a uh, just you know at that point in the line where playmates were throwing anything at the wall that would stick. Oh, let's do a robot version. There is actually precedence for it in the cartoon. Mm, I there found is. that there is a single episode where there are robot versions Rocksteady, of Bebop, Bebop and, yeah. and Rocksteady. So. Um, yeah, very happy to have him. He, um, uh, I mean, I've got a few shell, a few figures on that shelf that have the sort of vac metal look, some of the sort of samurai uh, turtles, but he stands out because he's got more chrome than more chrome than Chrome Dome. Funny yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very cool figure. Yeah, that chrome Chrome Dome, you you, you, you know you got chrome, chrome yeah. <laughs> and and light piping into the eyes, yes. which I think is a beautiful feature. Yes, and, and looks great in any action figure. Um, all right, final one for me is the Ultramarines Primaris Assault Intercessor from Warhammer 40,000, and this is by McFarlane. It's a good, solid kind of 7-inch figure, and if you know the style of more Warhammer miniatures, it's a really chunky figure. Comes with a backpack. He's got a heavy bolt pistol and, of all things, a chain sword, which is a chainsaw mixed with a sword. Um, doesn't get too much cooler. He's in the, the kind of navy blue with gold armor trims. He's got the red helmet. Um, all the different kind of crests are on his um, shoulder gauntlets and kneecaps. This was a really interesting story and find for me because the uh, it was a figure um, by Bandai that just sold out ridiculously quickly. It was super expensive and I missed out on it and I was bitter as all hell. And then this guy comes out from McFarlane at like a $30, $35 AUD price point. And to me, he's got great articulation, really nice paint apps. He's, he's, he's solid, hefty. hefty yeah, yeah. Feels like really, really good value for money. Uh, the other one that comes in this line, it's just two at the moment, is the Necron Warrior. Um, and there's a few others, a second sister, or um, I might be using the wrong terminology there, but there's a few other ones that are about to be released. But I think you can't. If you're a Warhammer fan, you like the miniatures, you know, maybe go get a, a big seven inch one for your shelf. If you're yeah. a space infantry fan of any sci fi fan of any yep. caliber, this guy is kick ass. Like, I uh, love him. I've got no ties to uh, Warhammer 40k, but this guy just looks mental. He's wicked. Yeah, quite jealous, to be honest. <laughs> He's so cool. Yeah, very, very cool figure. All right. Well, we've jam-packed another episode. We're going to have to wrap it up there. Uh, before we jump out, Ben, I need you to close your eyes. Oh, I need you to put your hand out. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do I... There you go. Can I open have it? A, have a guess. I know what it is. Uh, it's very tight. It feels like a hand. Feels not, like it's a... not my hand for the no, people No, no, no. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it, it, I've still got my eyes closed. It feels like a, I'm going to guess, April O'Neil hand. Yep. There it is. It is. Where the hell did that come from? Uh, that was mine, and now it's yours. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I was. Are you for I, sure? I listened back to the episode yeah. where you said, oh, I only come," and I looked, oh. and I'm like, "Do you know what? Mine is posed." I had that one literally sitting uh, in the tray, dude, man. So, thank you. Or yours, you can oh, complete nice. yours. Oh, thank that's you. That's fantastic. That is so yeah, because I've I've got a left hand holding. <laughs> yeah, everything. That's I'm it. Just, Oh, thank oh, you, man. No worries, that's, man. That's uh, really. I've, I'll pay you back some way, shape, or form. Thank ah, you. All good. Thank you uh, for the, the collecting uh, karma. That's lovely. <laughs> uh, 
And that's one of those things that you'll always look at and go, oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, that yeah, the yeah. Wrong hand. So there yeah. you go. That'll just yeah. fix up that no, beautifully. Well beautiful. done. What a, nice. what a beautiful note to to wrap some of this up. Yeah. You know, um, we've done our show and tell and, and talked about figures, but, you know, there's there's nothing like, you know, um, you know undoing a, a miscarriage of justice, so to speak. A miscarriage yeah. of justice. <laughs> Yeah, usually April reports on the miscarriages of justice, but yeah. this time she was the miscarriage. Yeah, it's an injustice what happened to Ben. Yeah. But, um, you, my friend, have repaired it. Yeah. Good to know. With the, one the swift time, move of the left exactly, hand. Exactly, and the space-time continuum is intact once again, thanks to you, my friend. Not to oversell it at all, yeah. but sure. Thank, thank, thank you, Marty. And on that note, we'll wrap this episode we of Toy Power. Thank you, thank you very much for tuning in. And to all our patrons, thanks for your ongoing support and comments on the Discord. We hope to catch you around the toy aisles. And all our listeners, please take care and stay safe wherever you are in the world. And until next time, good journey. You can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast. At Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Or have your say and email us, toypowerpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher, and please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome. We are a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network. Check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people. Want to learn more? Go to giantsizeteamup.com, where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows. Well, they're not more awesome than us, but they're... Yeah. Oh,